The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess. All you have to do is add hot water wherever you go. Each steep pack is individually sealed. It's nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh. And it's got this special full immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue or no staples. So there's no weird stuff floating around your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on steeped coffee packs at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying steeped or having your favorite roastery reach out and kind of get in touch. If you're in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry, make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. Do you want to know? I just got to believe. <laughs> he says, I've got it. You just got to believe. I just got to believe. I got a sick topic for you today, bro. Super sick. We were supposed to meet about something yesterday. Is this the same topic? No, I think we'll... Snacks. Snacks. We didn't meet about snacks yesterday. We didn't meet about snacks. Let me put some coffee in my mug. got super caught up. While you asked me the question of the day. Okay, question of the day. So, our question of the day... Whoa! Holy smokes, what happened? Jared pulled a nard. Just so everybody knows, he's getting a refill. Comes from Alex. Alex, a podcast listener on Instagram, he hit me up the other week and asked me about this. And I said, you know what? I sent him a reply, which I'll cover with you. And then um, I'm like, we should talk to Jared about this. You better cover that with me, bro. So Alex says, it's funny because we talked about this today a little bit. Neat. Hey, man. What's up? As you guys are longtime supporters of Disney, I was curious your thoughts on the wage disparity brought up in the news and by Bernie Sanders. I'd love to hear from you or on the podcast. You guys are rad. Hope to hear from you soon. Yes. So I don't know if you're up to speed on that. Um, So I don't know about the Bernie Sanders portion of it. I've heard a few back and forths on wage disparity, but I think you have uh, Bernie pulled up. I just pulled up Bernie, to be completely honest with everybody out there. And I told this to Alex, too. I was like, here's the cool thing. I don't even look at news at all. So that's sick. Right. Take from that what you will. But it seems like in a nutshell, there's a a certain percentage of people that are working for Disney that are being paid below the poverty level. And we're talking about specifically Disneyland, correct? That I have no idea. I think it's at the park. I believe it's it's Disneyland. Right. Disneyland. Yes. And, and Bernie's like throwing the throwing the game out there and he's just like I will I will shame you. Right. And there's also the there is a ballot or there's a there's like a something that hit the ballot, I believe. Um that an $18 minimum wage will qualify for the Anaheim ballot for Disneyland specifically. I think it's $15 an hour. Disney recently offered to increase minimum wages for them to nine to fifteen bucks by twenty twenty, <laughs> which is just the state law. By twenty twenty, which you have to do anyway. Yeah. Oh no, twenty twenty two. Twenty two happen. Yep. Um. So apparently, there's a ballot though, and somebody who yeah. So there, there's things that are happening there, that, and I don't. I have issues with this too recently. So the, I have full dis. Dis- 
discrepancy. Disclosure? Disclosure. That was so weird. Full discrepancy. I was like, there's a full on discrepancy happening. That's not the right word. I audited my parents and there were some discrepancies. My brain will do that sometimes. It's gnarly. I've been having some some issues with Disney. And it's a bummer because I grew up on a lot of, I grew up on Disney. And I think everybody can just attest that Disney has a big place in culture and storytelling and things like that. And like every company, I think there's a point where certain it starts becoming about money. And that, unfortunately, is starting to show itself, I think, in a place like this where they, for a very long time, have been able to draw on the connection of people who work for them and how it feels to be there. And I think that connection is still there. But unfortunately, the world has progressed to a place where living in California isn't the same as it used to be. And I think there's 100% truth in the amount of money you need to make to be okay in California. And I don't think that Disney has essentially stepped into the place where they're taking care of that. And I think we're starting to see pushback, and I think it's pretty normal. And I think they'll come out on the other side of it, but there's going to be a whole... I just feel like it's complex. You know, like if you think about big companies, they're going to have boards and people and their company doesn't only live in California. So the people in the Midwest and all these places where you don't have to make as much are going to be like, what the fuck, dude? And I can just see this depth. But I also have the same feelings when they bought Fox. And I'm like, really? You bought Fox? And I had the feeling when I went to the most recent leadership uh, leadership class there where I've had all these amazing experiences. And then this most recent one, there's two new teachers who I'd never had before. And they made these passing comments of how Disney's changing and evolving into its future. And I'm like, nostalgia and stories are a big part of Disney and what connects everybody to Disney. So that made me a little bit uneasy too because the things that made Disney special are the things that have made Disney special. And if they all go and change, for me, that won't be there anymore. So I don't know. Um, I'm in a little bit of a Disney struggle. Disney struggle. Where, like, maybe I will support the company less, but still go to the park because I have all these memories there and still enjoy the park and try to just enjoy it for what it is and not give more. Um, That's fair. But and I don't, yeah, like, I don't know. It's it's gnarly. I, and I don't have a lot of information on this stuff, and it's easy to go both ways. Here's the thing. I don't have any information on this stuff, but I took another stance on it, which I think is interesting, and right. other people could apply so the first thing that I told Alex was, just to be clear, which someone else told me this, I was like, I am not a Disney fan. Yeah, Chris I'm, is not a Disney I'm fan. Not, I'm not that into it. I do have that same affinity that like anybody from our era who came up, like I watched those cartoons when I was a kid. Like I'm really familiar with those characters. You know, I went to like Disneyland and there's like this special place in my heart because it it's nostalgia. Yeah. And it brings back those memories. But I'm like, you know, you're like a pass holder. Yeah. You're not like, anymore, but yeah. You were, yeah. yeah. And like, even my wife, she's like a fan. Yeah. She's, uh, she's been a season pass holder too. So I just want to let everybody know that I'm, I'm like, I'm not into it that hardcore. But what I did say to Alex, which I think is like where the meat and potatoes of the whole situation is, is that even though I wasn't like super fanboy, I did think that Disney does a great job of using values in a values-based system to create service experiences. Yeah. And that system is something that we've learned from in the past, and we've taken elements of and modified to fit our needs. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to think 
outside the box when it comes to businesses and it's just because like a business has a good idea and you like it even if you use it or even if you learn from them it doesn't necessarily mean that you're endorsing them right and the same thing would go with us it's just like if we're doing things that you think are valuable great take some of those things apply those to your own business, tweak them and like learn from those people's mistakes and also learn from the things that they do like super well. Right. Cause I honestly like to me, a good lesson is a good lesson. I could give a fuck about what Disney does or mm. anybody else that I learn from. Whereas right. like, even if the company blows and maybe it does, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know anything about it. Right. I don't know anything about what Disney's being paid. I don't know anything about what they make except for it's a lot. But I right. do know that we learned some lessons there. And to me, that's the value of it. And not saying we're just like Disney or we're on the Disney train. But it's like, here's some tips and tricks that we can do to like improve our customer guest experience. Totally. So like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of reading through this. <clears throat> the things that I always have issues with is when there's just insane discrepancies. So like, if there's some form of consistency that makes sense between whatever the lowest level or for low or entry level is probably the better way to say that to like upper leadership and it's not like as huge as it is here so what i'm reading essentially is it's like the average pay right an hour is between 11.85 and 14.35 is what it seems but then there's like the ceo bob Iger who's like pulling in freaking his pay is only 2.5 million, right? <laughs> Fine. CEO of like a billion dollar company, but his performance-based bonuses lift him to 46.5 million. That is on the pretty year. intense. So and then it's like they're they're really straightforward like this human being is not a bad human being, most likely. He got a job. And unfortunately, his job is to do what all the shareholders in a company want, and that's to make them hella money. And he doesn't get to be like, I'm the guy who makes all the decisions. He's the guy who has to be the strategist in figuring out how to do what everybody on this board agrees on. So he's a little bit at the mercy of the court, which sucks and is partially why I think we're trying to do a business where we don't lose control because... The minute you lose control of your company is the minute you stop being able to do maybe what Walt Disney set out to do. And this is just the truth in all businesses. It's That's like a business truth. So that sucks. And it's one of the statements here, which is interesting. It's like, uh, it's true. It's like, Iger's job isn't to create a new cousin for Goofy. It's to make money for the company and its legions of shareholders. And he's worked magic there because he's done it. He's figured out ways to do that. But that's, like, not why people fell in love with Disney. Right. So you could say that this guy is a really... He's a pretty boss CEO. Right. And that he's doing his job well. And that the problem is not in what he's doing, but the problem is how the business is structured to where the accountability isn't to the business's mission, vision, values. It's to appease the shareholders. Exactly. The which, shareholders are fucked. They're and, the problem. Yeah. And what you're... Or like the structure is the problem. Well, right, The right, shareholders right. are just basically people who want to make money. Yeah, they're like, we'll give you money for more money. Like making money. Nothing yeah. wrong with making money. No. Like straight up. So 
And when you're saying you said all businesses, but what you I think you maybe really mean is like all like like corporate structures that are structured that way are eventually going to tilt over they're towards that. Like they're yeah. at risk to tilting over to be like, okay, all we care about is money. Right. Whereas if we own our own business, which we do, right. and we never have a board or you know six people who are voting and we don't have anybody to appease, all we have to appease is our mission, vision, and our values. Right. And, and how they affect, for us, all the people that come with us to achieve those things. And that's like our main metric of success. Right. And we believe that if we can nail those, a certain amount of money will come. Agreed. I, you know, the business will be profitable. We'll be able to take care of people because it's not like these things, you know, you can't talk about money in like a vacuum. Like, right. Like if you're not making money, you can't take care of people. Obviously, Disney has like no problem making money. They have like, no, it's just how they distribute it. They have so many machines that can make money. Right. But they probably are squeezed on like, how, how can you divvy up this money? Yeah. To where, yeah, people are like, yeah. So, yep. yeah, and this is what's interesting, right? When Walt Disney was the CEO, the pay ratio was 20 to 1. And that's like a discrepancy, but it's not insane. 20 to 1, whatever. So, yeah, if you are the CEO of a company that big and somebody's getting $10 an hour, you're getting $200 an hour. It's a lot of money in the discrepancy of just like a human being thinking about that. But... In freaking 2000, it was 376 to one. And that's just unnecessary. Like, you don't need that much money to have a happy life. So this is just a values thing. And it's a frustrating thing. And I don't know how to handle it or even how I feel about it. But I would say that all of these people who probably are... or Okay, some of these people who are investors in a place that's based around creativity, probably go to Disneyland or Disney places. And at some point they're going to see and notice a fall off in that magical feeling that they're so good at and have been so good at if people become unhappy. But I also want to say if you're a company based on creativity and you hit something like frozen, which just like great story, great film, music, the whole nine hit the world by storm. Everybody fell in love with it and was like, Oh shit, this is the next level. I would personally like to see, them not try to cash in on it as much as they do, right? So it's not like frozen every... And I get it, though, too, right? You're like, yeah. okay, cool. So logically, you're like, great. Everybody loves this. Everybody wants a piece of this. How much frozen shit can we make and remake and integrate so that we can get them coming back to make... To essentially draw on a positive thing, but use it kind of for what me feels like... To me, feels like the machine just getting more of your money. Which it for sure is. Which was actually... In- it was surprising. I thought that they would kind of tuck it away a little bit more. But one, one of the things that struck me when we went to the first uh, leadership engagement class over there was they really made no bones about wanting to make as much money as possible and saying that everything is to drive that cash. Yeah. Which was like the end goal. And these were the people that were teach. These were the good. This was even Bob. Yeah, this like, is like the people we love. Bob was like a legit teacher. Yeah. He's like a great storyteller. He's like... You know, he was a really good ambassador for the culture. And he's also, I think, from a certain era. Bob's He's older. been there since the beginning. He, yeah. was, he he's, was there when Walt Disney was around. How long has he been there? 37 years? Something like something that. Stupid, 40 like, some, yeah. 40 something stupid. 40 plus? I can't remember. Long ass time. Right. But even he was like in that in that mindset. Yeah. I think it's, it's super interesting, too. I heard um, 
I don't know if you're like super familiar with the story of Walmart. Not terribly familiar, but What's I'm his down name? To here. Yeah. So like when Walmart started, the the founder was like he was really involved in the community of the places he was in. He took a real hands-on approach and it was it wasn't like the big box retailer you know it is as now. But right. since he passed and one of the things that he failed to do was like set up a structure where his like mission, vision, values are represented in the company as a whole and set up a platform for someone to take over his leadership. So the current um, Walmart CEO makes over $20 million, mm. which is, um, wait, I had the number right here. Oh, yeah. 1,188 times more than the company's median wage. And that's like a salary that's mostly set by himself. Yeah. And as a, each successor to that CEO throne of Walmart comes in, like basically they jack their pay up and become much more disconnected from the culture of the original Walmart, which was to bring like nice and affordable things to people in rural areas. Isn't that fucked? That's like it wasn't supposed to be like a shitty <sighs> bullshit big box retailer. Right. It was supposed to be like, like, a place where you could get shit if you were just not in a major metropolitan area. It was like a hub. Right. And the dude was there. I think his name's Sam Walton, but I could be so wrong on that. Well, that's yeah, Sam Walton. That's where my struggle is. Like, so I, I will and still whatever. Walt Disney is a controversial character in like his imperfection. Surprise, no one's perfect. So I can like look past that pretty quick. But his inspiration was like, creating an amazing park for families to go that was clean and safe and would change their lives and bring people together from all over the world. Success. Fantastic. His, his other things were making amazing creative cartoons, which he essentially was a, the pioneer of along with the Warner brothers. So it's like also success. And then at some point the world started changing for whatever reason, like his, he was like a, he was a, there's stories all over the place. Like he had the people who worked really hard for him and were unhappy. There's like really open stories about this, but then he also was the same guy who was like a name by name basis. And he cared about every human being and was interested in what they thought about his place that he created and like wanted to make it the best. And so there's just something to be said about like, how do you protect those legacies so that, and it's, <laughs> It's pretty much historical. This is what happens. There's good kings, there's bad kings, there's good queens, there's bad queens. In the past, like, it's what happens. The sun takes over, and they're good. The other sun takes over, and they're good. Then the shitty come, sun comes, and it's fucked up. And it's like, it happens in every history novel in the world. There's, like, prosperity and sadness. And it's... So I don't know what I'm saying there. I just know that this is also normal. It's and an hopefully something comes out of this where it can be turned around, and it's not just about discrepancies and disparities and we can like find a way for them to do what they do well, which is tell stories and like pr provide amazing memories in a really immaculate place. Yeah. It's, it's complex in that. I mean, I guess the overall lesson that I'm taking away from the whole, what it made me think about is in order to ensure that you don't get a string of bad Kings or even like one bad King in the mix, Right. You need to set up a system to where you have a clear path for your successor 
and that that path is controlled by the organization and not some board. Like totally, you know what I mean? To where let's say that like we died tomorrow. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> sick. <laughs> um, there's nothing really set up to see how the company would run. But if it's all interpretation, but if we if we died tomorrow and there was like a board of directors, the board would probably default to like we'll go in whatever direction is going to make us the most money. Potentially, yeah. I mean, right. In the absence of anything else, yeah. If there's a system that's set up to ensure that like the things that you hold true are are dear, or unfortunately, yeah, or totally, or you have somebody who's charismatic and believable enough that they keep tight to what we wanted and want out of this company. But you're totally, I mean, it's like I'm thinking about the story of Honduras that Ben Hameen was telling me. And it's basically like this dude somehow got power and changed all the laws so that he could get elected illegally for another term. And then he got this, the other half to work with them. And now, like, the whole infrastructure that Honduras has lived under is in turmoil. And that's why they became one of the most dangerous places in the world for a while. So that essentially can happen all the time anywhere. In a nutshell, like, you know, it's more complex than that, but that's what can happen. And that's what's so gnarly about all this stuff. It's like one of the things that's just interesting. I'll take it back to a statement about Walt Disney. But like people, even in that discrepancy of the 20 to 1, one of the statements in this article is like people who make a lot of money these days get to keep most of it compared to Walt Disney. When Walt Disney made that amount of money, 70% or more of it would have had to go to, go to the treasury because that's how high the income tax rate was before President Reagan came to rescue the wealthiest of Americans. Hmm. Which is just, it's just a different world, right? So, like, Reagan, I don't know enough about Reagan to talk about this a lot, but at the end of the day, like, he was like, okay, these rich people need to keep more of their rich money instead of having it go back into our country in some way, shape, or form. So I'm going to change the game for them. And that can happen all the time if the wrong people get into power and... That's just so fucking crazy to me. I don't have an answer. It's just me talking. It's me spitballing things that can happen and like that lead to such major changes in cultures. So then it's like when you're weighing, supporting something, you're weighing almost like if you were going to go spend money at Disneyland or Disney it, as a whole, you're weighing what's like the intrinsic value of like my nostalgia and these great stories versus a company that maybe doesn't treat its people super awesome. Right. So one thing that I'm not going to do and I used to want to do all the time was, in fact, one of my goals was to like get to the point where I could actually go stay at a Disney resort for a whole week and just enjoy all the luxuries that go there. And now I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to stay at a different hotel. I'm still going to go to Disneyland and I'm still going to enjoy it. And I'm not going to buy a season pass until after I see what, how it works when Star Wars land opens. And if like, it brings something to the table and I'm probably not going to buy a season pass if they just keep raising prices every single year. Like if you guys, <laughs> if you literally raise your prices every single year, what are you saying? And I know their excuses are a lot of the time, like, well, the crowds are so big. We're trying to make sure it's a premier place. But, at the, and I like, I get that, but I also get that in this world, like there's something to be said for providing an opportunity for people to actually enjoy what you were setting out to do, which is like a place for families that are normal to have amazing memories and come together and bond. And that's what Walt Disney wanted. It was, he didn't want it to be like 
only a money hungry place. You want it to be a connectivity place. So I, yeah, I yeah. Know. I wonder if it was ever a place for normal families. I remember. I know we went back in the day. Like right. I remember. Like I see pictures of myself. I was three. I think the first time I went. But I think it was like kind of a stretch for us because we didn't have a ton of money. Yeah. I mean, it was a stretch for us in that, I mean, the tickets were expensive, but they weren't insane, but we were super poor. My family was super poor. Right. I think a normal middle-of-the-road family could totally afford it back in the day, no problem. But we, I was not a middle-of-the-road family. I was a poor family. Um, I thought, I think the other reason was just that it was in LA, so it, you can't get there easily was like a the, lot of the issue. Like, like the maybe travel the, cost was so expensive. The biggest barrier to entry was maybe flying back in the day. Exactly. Like you wouldn't that get people expensive. coming from across the country because a flight from wherever, Kansas City, was not just like, oh, flying wasn't super casual back then. Yeah, and if you go with a family, it's four tickets flying across and taking off time. So I think it was more that kind of impact. Right, that People in California, I mean, when he first opened it, it was, what, a dollar to go, which is a lot, but not a lot, you know, and then... At the time, who knows with inflation? I did say that that's probably like probably like equivalent of like fifteen or twenty bucks now at that point. Yeah. So it's like, which I get why they would. Yeah, it's almost like they do have to exclude, or the park will literally be overrun. Exactly. Right. It's, and that's the truth. And it's that's, like if they don't make the price high enough, it's gonna suck. Because right. imagine it was twenty bucks. Can you imagine how much of a shit show that would be? Oh yeah, and it wouldn't be fun. So like I get right? I get all this all the cogs in this wheel need to work together. And I, I actually don't doubt that the actual park, the people who are running that park are trying to figure it out and make it work. I just think they're most likely trying to being fed numbers to make it work with that gives such high margins of return that is like a little bit ridiculous. Right, like you don't really have complete control over your domain. There's just... Yeah, and like like, finally they're starting to add food that's actually healthy and good, but for the longest time, all their food was like, cool, you're charging me $10 for something I know costs you no more than like 75 cents to a dollar to make, you know? Yeah, and like an $8 churro. Yeah, it's like totally. fried yeah, bread. They, and they actually are like, yeah, they're like four fifty, and you know that's going to cost you 75 cents to a buck yeah, tops to at make. At the most. Tops, probably more like 50 cents. So, you know, there's like all those, those, those are little problems I have and I don't necessarily know if I have an answer, but I do know that like for me and where I was and have been with two young kids, I can't go on camping trips easily and go on hikes and I can't go on all these things. And to Disney's credit, until your kids are older than three, you can take them for free. So for people like me... It was actually really helpful for my family because Brittany and I could go do something we both enjoyed with our kids, and it was a really nice thing. It's becoming, yeah. Honestly, until this leadership offsite that I went to where the two younger people were like, that's the, and they were talking about Bob, like, that's the old way. And I'm like, just kind of I hate that you way. just said that's the old way, where like I understand growth needs to happen and focus, but I don't think it's cool that you're like, essentially dismissing tradition a little bit in that statement. Do you think there would ever be a point in time where you're like through? You're just like, I'm over Maybe. it. I like don't partake in like what you're about is so far gone that I just can't, I don't even recognize you anymore. Maybe. Yeah. 
You're a pretty nostalgic person, so like that no, is, it's it's it'll literally like be a grieving. It'll be a grieving portion. Like I literally will have to grieve over it because it is like some of my happiest family memories and things. If that's the case, but I mean, also to their credit, like I think their movies have gotten like they're they've been good, and their like remakes of these these old films have been pretty awesome and interesting and nice takes on it. So like they are being successful. Oh, the movies are great. Like coming from someone who's not a Disney fan, like dude, I watch Frozen. That shit's good. Like they I do a good job. You know, like I don't care if you're into cartoons or kid stuff or not. Like even I can appreciate that. Right. It's a good movie. And just like wondering if the does the why right. ever come to outweigh the what? Yeah, you and know it, what I mean. Might I essentially like I'm taking. <laughs> a year I know off. I'm it's like so hitting you with like no, no, ethereal no, weird questions no, or whatever. I, I mean it's just stuff that I'm in, I'm interested in I think about it it's like we're gonna go around the holidays because they do an amazing job around the holidays but prior to this last whatever Christmassy time I had gone at least once or twice or more a year and I'm doing a full year between takes <laughs> because partially because of that that whole statement and I guess what I would say is that, like, you as an individual working at company X could have that same impact on somebody who might have been, like, a forever believer in you. And that was just one person and them buying Fox. That wasn't necessarily this discrepancy in pay. Because I think that, honestly, there's going to be disgruntled employees in a company that's that huge anyway. It's so easy for somebody to say, we don't get paid well, we're treated unfairly, so on and so forth. And like, true or not, there's, I think, ownership on both sides for that. So I kind of don't want to put, I don't put my chips there as much. I just, I've seen it every company I've been at that somebody who people like bring this idea up and convince everybody else that they're right. Like I just talked about in the context of Kings and shit. It happens all, all the time. So I think that can happen no matter what. But them buying Fox, who knows what they're going to do with it. And then that statement were like powerful enough for me to be like, but I like it because of the stuff you're talking negative about and that you're changing. And I don't like these things you're talking about. So maybe it's you're also putting me on a fence that I never was on before. Yeah, it kind of fucked with you because you talked about it when you got back. Oh, it fucked me for sure. I still think about it. Like I'm, I'm like... I don't know how I feel about it still. The It's also interesting because it illustrates the power of having a larger vision statement. And it also illustrates the power of how each individual employee in your organization works to uphold that like mission and vision statement. Because right. you've had thousands and thousands of good experiences with this company. And it took like one person basically admitting something that didn't ring true with your value system to make you question how much you really believe in this organization that's been a part of your entire life. Yeah. And that's legit, right? And that's what I that's essentially what I'm saying is it's and, that easy. Pay attention to what you're doing if you work at a place you love. That happened yeah, and that happens at like and you're in a bad mood. Right. That happens at the coffee shop all the time. Right. You know, or it has the potential to happen right. all the time. Like not our coffee shop. You carry a pretty big torch, like no matter what job you have, I guess is what I'm saying. Like even if, you know, you might even think, and it sucks if you're made to think this, that you're just, you know, a non-essential part of the team. That would must be a shitty feeling too. But if you're on staff, you're super important. 
Because yeah. if you're talking to people, you are, you know, you're the, you're the spokesperson for that entire culture. Yes. You're the spokesperson for the entire company. If someone goes to Cat and Cloud, whoever they talk to when they first go in, that person is speaking on the behalf of me, you, Charles, Kristen, Tanner, and every other one of our employees that we have. Right. It's all represented in just like one person. It's so crazy. And that person has the power to make it super epic. Yeah. Or have someone be like, I don't really fuck with Cat and Cloud. And they're dude, not really that tight. Yeah. Like, I heard stories that they're cool, but I don't know. I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. That actually brings up kind of a funny story that I won't. So my <laughs> Brittany, my wife got a text and somebody who's like listening to these kids who had never like she called them kids in the text. She's like, hey, there's this group of like five or six kids at this place I'm at. And they're talking all this shit about Cat and Cloud, but they've never been. So this, she's all, here's what they're saying. They're all, that place is the lamest place ever. But what they're doing at the same time is they're Googling where it's at and trying to learn about it because none of them have ever been there, but they already know it's lame. Pretty sick. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just funny. It's like people can just, it's like, what are you, I don't know. I just felt like that was a funny story based on what you were talking about. Like just people talking about shit. They have no idea about it. It's just like, they're the new place. They're kind of goofy. It's stupid. It's like, come try. Come try. Come on in. You'll never know until you try. That that article about Disney's $18 minimum wage qualifies for the Anaheim ballot. That's actually like just yesterday. So that's a brand new article. I was just going back and like, when was that posted? That's the most recent article for that. It would be so cool. So cool to have a panel of people weigh in on something like this from all kinds of perspectives. Like it would be like have someone who's just like this psychotic raging liberal and then someone who is just the most intense out of fucking control conservative and then a couple regular ass people just talking about this whole thing cuz i could amazing. see cuz i could see people being you know minimum wage in california is what minimum wage is in california why right. should a company have to pay for a base level job, much more than minimum wage, just because they make a ton of money. Totally. Right? Yeah. And some people are like, well, you know, rich people need to get taxed more. This is kind of an extension of that. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't, yeah. I'm totally. not arguing for either or. I'm just saying it'd be really interesting to have some informed parties, which is not myself, right. weigh in on this. <laughs> it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know if they're union, but it says negotiating one of the largest union contracts. So is, are, you, do you get to work, are you in the union if you work at Disney? I don't know. I didn't know that either. But I can tell you, dude, this is gnarly. Like, <laughs> a bunch of people essentially. Initiative is part of a union led campaign to focus attention on low wage workers at the Disney theme park. On Thursday morning, like this past Thursday, a group of Disneyland employees marched to the park entrance to demand better salaries and working conditions. Wow. Like, can you imagine what that must have felt like as you, if you were going in there? Like, oh, terrible that experience. Ruined my experience so bad. Oh, Hell yeah. That's like exactly what they don't want to be known for. Hell no. That's like the total opposite of what the park is all about. Jeez, that's so nuts. Nuts. So nuts. Some workers argue that the company's offer helps entry-level workers, but there's nothing for longer-term employees. Man, their message to us, if you can't live off what we're paying you, go find another job, is what Denise Anderson, a a cuss... Costumer, who's worked for Disney for 30 years and makes $18 an hour. They think there's a line of people that want to work at Disneyland. 
I hate reading stuff like that. It's like, Dang. true or no. It's so hard. You make the decision, people. <laughs> well, here's the deal. <laughs> I will make sure you have an awesome time at Disneyland if you come with me. <laughs> and I don't even work there. So maybe if you want, you can pay me. <laughs> if you want a damn good Disney experience. And Disney, if anybody in the Disney World place ever listens to this, Maybe you get some consulting from Chris and I. Get your shit right. <laughs> we'll help oh you Oh, my, out. how the tables have turned. <laughs> Best company in the world? We'll see. We'll see. I know another company that's about to make the most epic come up. We're just raging towards becoming a cultural institution. It's globally recognized. That's us. Independently owned. So we can control ourselves. Privately contracted. Forget about it. Dude, I don't know what the hell you want. <laughs> I think from that's us. enough. I mean, I think it's great. Rant. No, I, I I thought that was super interesting. It's funny because um, a homeboy hit me up and I was like, man, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I haven't really thought about it. I'd be interested to hear Jared's take. And I think he's going to get his money's worth. You definitely got takes. And also double double shout out. If anybody has any other topics I'm like this. <gasps> We'd love to hear about them. Um, in the future, it'd be great if we did a better job of researching what the hell we're going to talk about. But we had talked about <laughs> Disney right before this came up. We did. Because you mentioned something that was along the exact same line, so I thought it might just be good to throw it in there. Perfect. Have have a little Perfect. discussion. Perfect. I wish I didn't have the hiccups right now. Jared's literally uh, in convulsions. You hear that? He's got a very serious look on his face. Five more hours remaining until my files are encrypted. So I'm Jared's been updating his computer for like five days. I blew it somehow. I turned on the file vault. It's I don't encrypting. know what that means. I don't know what I that don't means. I don't know what that means, but it's happening. I don't even know what that means. Three more hours remaining. Any other updates? News? I don't know. Yeah, we I got guess. a band sealer. Who cares? We Let's got a go. band. <laughs> we got some things. And the thing is, we're, we're going to go to the cafe. I got an 11 o'clock, so we got to go. We got to go. Write us in. Ian Levine, you're welcome. Okay, bye. The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround it's phenomenal if you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in you know how frustrating that is so being able to get the brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing shout out to you wilbur curtis their customer service is phenomenal and they just care they care about you they care about me and i care about them and that's why cat cloud podcast is brought to you by wilbur curtis